0: Hello, this is Iris Carden. Welcome to the podcast that accompanies the iriscardenauthor.net website. Five stories below Brisbane's Roma Street Police Station is the headquarters for the Human Defence Unit. Its members are drawn from among the highest performing members of military, intelligence, and police forces throughout Australia, along with select highly specialized members of the civilian population. The Human Defence Unit and its elite staff are neither police, military, nor intelligence. They do not exist. Playing the Queen, short story by Iris Carden. Human Defence Unit Senior Agent Joe Burns and Police Inspector David Webber were talking in the foyer of the Roma Street Police Station. Joe was there waiting to meet two new transfers from the New South Wales HDU. A woman Joe recognised as journalist Kerry Perry walked in the front door, saw Joe and approached her. Hi, Sergeant Burns, she said. Kerry had, Kerry had done the police rounds for a small local paper for years. Most local police knew her. Joe didn't dislike her but was very wary about what she could say to any journalist. Hi, Carrie. It's not Sergeant anymore. I quit the force after my daughter was murdered. I'm just a civilian now. I work down in the basement in payroll. Apart from the bit about being just a civilian and working in payroll, it was true. The best lies were hidden behind a wall of truth. That's weird, because I had a call about you the other day. About me? Yes, this woman was accusing you of police harassment. I thought that was weird because I haven't seen you for a long time, but you always had a reputation as a straight shooter. But this woman, Anastasia Arafemi, told me this story about how you had ordered police to search for her because of a personal grudge when she hadn't been charged with any crime. The Countess contacted you? Joe was mystified. Countess? Of course, actually acknowledging she knew the woman was a mistake. How would she cover for that? Most cops know the Countess. Sometimes she's a European aristocrat. Sometimes she's a thousand year old vampire. She's only dangerous when she's off her meds. So if she is off her meds, stay away from her. Can I suggest you not publish anything about her? You wouldn't want it to look like your paper was exploiting a psych patient. David decided to throw a rescue line. He said, actually, we are looking for the Countess at the moment. She was in a secure psych ward and escaped. Her psychiatrist says she really should be back in for her own safety. If you know where she's hiding, you'd actually be helping her if you told me. Yeah, telling police how to find someone who claims they've been unfairly targeted by police, doesn't seem like a great idea. Protecting sources and all that. Thanks for that, though, Inspector. Sergeant, or I guess it's Ms Burns now, I really thought if any woman was going to break the glass ceiling here, it would be you. I never expected to see you just give it up. But that whole thing with your daughter was just messed up and you saved all those other kids. It wasn't fair. No, it was far from fair. I had trouble writing that. I don't know how you managed to live through it. That man was a monster. Sorry, I know you knew that. A monster? Yes, the killer had been a monster. The first actual monster Joe had ever seen. Anyway, the reporter continued, I hope they're treating you well in payroll and I'm sorry that happened to you. She left them. Once she was out of earshot, Joe said to David, what the hell was that about? Why would the Countess risk revealing herself by talking to the media? David was thoughtful a moment. I think it's like chess. You know, I don't like chess. Still go with the metaphor here. The Queen's the most powerful piece. She's their queen and you're ours. She wants to get the opposite queen off the board. Trying to get at your reputation, have you exposed in the media as crooked. But she found a journal who actually knows your story and apparently respects you. If she tries another one, the lid could blow off everything. Everyone would know about monsters and what a small group of people is trying to protect the world from them. Doesn't the queen protect the king? Who's the king in your analogy? On our side, the city, the state, humanity, everything you fought to protect since Katie died. On her side, the vampire community she wants to build, the one she was building before she was taken out before. Well, if it's chess we're playing, with Kurt and Harry dead and Marissa still on sick leave, I think we've lost enough pawns. Let's find a way to win this game. Later that day, while Joe was showing her new members of staff around the HDU offices, David received a call from Carrie Perry. Anastasia Araphamy had called her again. This time, she had said both that she was a countess and that she was a vampire and would kill Carrie if the story about Joe did not run. Carrie didn't know where the Countess was, but she had a phone number which she passed on to David. David called Joe. He couldn't trace a mobile phone without a warrant, but Joe could. Joe called a meeting with David, trainee agent Kate Murdoch, recently inducted agent Andrew Harrison, the Yowie, and the two transferees, agent Scott Cooper and Elizabeth Jones. Joe caught everyone up to date. From what happened with Harry, we know that killing the Countess will mean everyone she's turned will become human again but we also know she had the bloodstones of two other ancient vampires. If she's brought them back, they could have turned people. We don't know how big a group of fangs we might walk into, but the first order is to take out the Countess, then go for anyone else who looks old and anyone we can't avoid killing. The new agents were a bit wary of the Yowie and of Andrew, who while no longer a slave, still had his zombie strength. Andrew went with David and the Yowie with Joe. while the two new agents were with Kate. The plan was to approach from different directions to try to box in the Countess and whatever vampires were with her. Everyone carried intense UV laser pointers and mini crossbows that shot wooden stakes. As they drove, the flashing dot on the GPS, which indicated where the Countess' phone was, moved. All three cars adapted their journey. The Countess was going somewhere. It was a nondescript house, and Joe and the Yowie took the front door. David and Andrew took the back, the others entering through the large sliding door at the side. They moved stealthily throughout the house. A couple of vampires, apparently on guard duty, were silently dispatched with handheld stakes. In a back room, they found the Countess, surrounded by other fangs, with Kerry Perry tied to a chair. Once you're a vampire, you will do as I have instructed. You will take down Jo Burns and her team of vampire hunters. This city will belong to us. Joe fired the crossbow. The Countess went down and turned to dust. Vampires around her began vomiting blood and collapsing on the floor. They're turning back, Joe said to her team, who were all in the room now. It looks like there aren't any other vo- older vampires here. So we just need medical help for these. Call Helen. She's the closest thing to an expert we've got. Someone untie Kerry. Joe dug through the dust to find a red stone. She was not going to keep the bloodstone and risk the countess coming back this time. Joe pulled out her service weapon and shot the sparkling red stone, shattering it. I want that spread over as great an area as possible. Kerry, uh, Joe said. I knew you couldn't just be down in the basement doing payroll, Kerry said. Sorry, I lied, Joe said. Monsters are real and my team stops them taking over. I'm going to ask you not to write that story. Because everyone would freak out and there'd be mass panic, Kerry said. Yes, because of that, Joe answered. How do I help? Kerry asked.